Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. I'm the Pork. I'm Blake. And we are brought to you by, with the dubious support of the Greenhouse, uh, the Canberra Raiders number one fan forum. Get on there, get involved, get arguing with people. It's fantastic. And we're coming to you from the filthiest uh, storeroom hidden somewhere I in I actually cleaned the desk a little bit. I don't know if you noticed, but it actually is marginally cleaner. Yeah, I, he's quibbling people. He's quibbling people. Um, there's dead rats. Uh, you, well, at least I think there is. I think that's what that smell is. So it could be anything. And um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's filthy. But we'll never reveal its location, will we, Blake? No. So the South lost. Blake, take us through it. Uh, look, very good performance. You know, it has to be said. It was it was an incredible match. Um, semi-final like intensity. Um, one of the games of the season, if not the game of the season so far, I think everyone agrees. Wayne Bennett, you know, said as much in the press conference. Um, we looked good. You know, we had great effort, commitment, and if you look at the final moments, um, the game was, was there to be won. And if, uh, unfortunately, Jared Croker hadn't had the ball knocked out of his grasp, we would have won that game. Mm. Uh, yeah, we looked, like I said, we looked good. Very good defense, very good commitment. If anything, maybe we did not noticeably miss that bit of impact that, you know, with the loss of um, Rapana mm. and, uh, and and BJ Leilua, we maybe locked that bit of penetration at times. It was hard to see how we were going to get through their defences. Yep. yep. Um, but, yeah, the game also was quite different to how I expected it because I sort of had, in the lead-up to the game, and I said as much, had nightmares about um, the Burgess boys getting a big roll on yep. and Cook darting out of dummy half... And it didn't really happen. No. You know, we kept them quiet pretty much for the whole game. Um, Burgess only ran, ran for 80 minutes. Um, metres. 80, 80, yeah, 80, yeah, sorry, 80, 80 metres. And um, like you said, you know, he, he can get him off his game, and he, and he did appear to be off his game. The other one was too Cook, really. It was only one time, you know, he, he was able to get out of dummy half. Yeah, he's a good player, though, isn't he? Yeah. Gee, when he gets out fast, gee, it looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, um, I heard... Uh, uh, Michael Ennis saying that you know that um, Josh Hodgson did a really good job because he was always in at marker, mm. stopping stopping Cook. And the one time he didn't get to marker was, was the time. Was yeah, yep. and that's right. And and you saw Saliva Ely came on for that brief moment and didn't stay on that long. No, he was he was on and off like ten minutes yeah, later. Yeah, because that was that was exploited. The instant was on there. Saliva's doing very very well, but as a reserve hooker, he just doesn't quite have that lateral speed. He certainly got the impact as a loose forward. There's no question about that. But yeah, he, he was he was not enough very quick. And I was very interested in the use of Sebastian Chris off the bench, waiting for the last ten minutes to bring him on. Um, That's just one of those weird ones. It doesn't really make any sense to me. I, I was surprised by that. I was surprised to see him still on the on the bench. I thought because of the Burgeye threat that we would see you know Royce Hunt come off into that place and. Um, and take that spot at the last minute, but it was it wasn't in that line. And um, you know, for those ten minutes, I thought he he was really quite good. And yes, I was standing right in line watching Jared Croker as he got into that gap. And had he got lower, or alternatively stepped again to the right, he would have scored. Yeah. Um, he needed to either go dive straight to the line immediately, or he needed to step once more to the right because all the man coming across did the young man who was a fullback. Corey Allen. Yeah. All he did was play at the ball. Yeah. And that's that's another point too. All he did was play at the ball. At no stage in the world was that a tackle. That was actually a strip. And that was actually play on from that point. But everyone stopped. And no one should have actually stopped. And had um, Bailey Simonson picked up that ball as he should and gone over the line and scored, put the ball down and they'd actually have to go and done it, that was actually a strip. 
there was no effort of yeah. thing. So it could have been done, but we didn't take that opportunity. So it really is play the whistle because the whistle wasn't blown in that moment. But those ones are hard. To, those ones are hard. They can go out anyway, those ones. Look, it's hard to say. I don't want to hear about brave losses, though. We should have won that match. We should have won that match. We just should have won that match. And that, that's the way it goes. And fortunately, I believe that's the way the players are doing it too. They know they had their chances. They know they didn't take well, it's, it. It's, it's, a cruel, it's a cruel sport, you know, and sport generally is, I guess, you know, it can be very fine margins. That Yeah, it was, it was such a fine margin between, mm. you know, sort of a, a glorious victory and an honourable defeat. But yeah. I wasn't too depressed. I didn't walk out of the ground, you know, as sort of down the dumps as I have certainly other times. No, I've like, definitely walked out of there, you know, crippled on time. So that wasn't <laughs> one of them. And it wasn't all bad news. Look, Josh Papali, that run through the centre was one of my favourite things I think I've ever seen in football. Yes. Um, um, or the, the Samoan sidestep on the fullback. Was, uh, was, that was just <laughs> outstanding. Ironically, if he had actually swerved or done anything whatsoever, he might not have been in line with the bloody goalpost, yeah. which was the only reason he got stopped. But big ups there to Cameron Murray, by the way. Um, even with the goalpost helping, if Cameron Murray doesn't get to that position, that is a try. And the fact that anyone saw Papali doing that and is still trying to stop him, um, yeah, Cameron Murray, good player. Yeah, no it doubt. speaks highly of Cameron Murray. I'm a big fan of that effort whatsoever. But really, in relation, the only thing that stopped Josh Papali there was the goalpost. Um, once more, CNK. I, I, I really cannot give big enough raps on that kid. I really can't yeah. give. And I mean, you think about, you know, in, we've sort of touched on it before, but in the off-season, you know, there was talk that we were going to sign Dufty. Yeah. Well, he's just been dropped. Yeah, he's just been dropped to reserve grade. Yep. Um, the, the other one we were we were hoping we might get was um, Edwards from mm. Panthers. Had an absolute shocker on the weekend as well. Not all of his making, by the way. Yeah, but um, he's not travelling too well no, either. He's so not. he's so and of I've the three, the one, yeah, yeah, of the three, we've done really like left field. Yeah, CNK, who most of us knew virtually nothing about yeah. at all. I knew his name because yeah. I thought it was odd, but that was it. Yeah, he was one of those weird guys who you saw their name was a bit strange that always um, turns up on the bench for the Warriors, like yeah, Jazz yeah. Tavunga or, or yeah, Chanel yeah. Harris Devita or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's always good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Papa Ali'i, you know, which is actually spelt differently from Papali. Is it really? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I went and checked because I was thinking she would be saying Josh Papali, pa- Papa Li'i. No, because well, that was the always interesting thing when um, the. Uh, Raiders play the Warriors away, mm. and Daryl Halligan you would pronounce their names. You'd always yeah, go, yeah. "Oh, well, that's how it oh, actually that's how should." It's yeah, actually said. Yeah, that's oh, how it's actually supposed to. That's how a Kiwi's pronunciation's perfect. Now, and and while we're actually talking about Kiwis and pronunciations, of their name, we we do have to say a fond farewell to Big Q, Quinton Pongia, who passed away last week after a battle with cancer. Um, I remember when he came in 93 and the first thing we heard about him was like, okay, so we get a guy called Quinton, you know, I hope it's good because <laughs> we need people because the 92 season, as you know, remember, wasn't too much fun. And that Fatty Vorton had to get up and invite him, at, uh, introduce him at something. And this is when Fatty was in his absolute heyday, <clears throat> when he'd really broken. He was the man in rugby league and came up and uh, got his name wrong and called, oh, I was Q or something, I don't know, I don't know his name and could get away with that because he was the biggest thing. And just remembering, thinking to myself, look at that guy. I probably wouldn't be disrespecting him because I, I reckon he looks pretty damn big. He was a piece of iron. Um, he was fantastic from the first moment we got him. He didn't miss his tackles, and he was absolutely fantastic, fantastic in uh, defence when he smashed people and ran the ball hard, punched well above his actual size yeah, as well. Yeah, not that massive, but just hard. Really, really hard. He was, a, yeah. he was Kevin Campion. He was a piece of he was a piece of iron. Yeah, and really committed to the cause. Um, 
you know, that 94 grand final, there was a large part of him that was in that. And, you know, he's a Raiders life member and a great player. And, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that he passed. Yep. Yep. Too young. Too young. Well, my age, you know, which makes you... Uh... Mm, mm. Well, yeah. younger than you, younger than and you, younger Tim. than me, which, than... <laughs> which actually makes me very unhappy about that indeed. But um, yeah, it's very sad to hear about Big Q, uh, great Raider. Um, yeah, it's very sad in that. But uh, moving on, we've got the Cowboys this Saturday during the day, which is unfortunate scheduling because if you want to bring the Cowboys down to Canberra, you want to play them in the middle of the night, really. I know. Well, there have been games where we've played them and it's been absolutely freezing yeah. cold, and they've still beaten us. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But at least we can make them miserably cold while they do it. You know, and, and that's the important thing because, you know, the scheduling always at the, the beginning of the season sends the Raiders up into Queensland to play in 40-plus conditions and then reverse that. Those sides have to come down on, a you know, a night game when it's minus 14 and, you know, freeze their balls off and then we spray them down with water as they run out of the tunnel. That's the way these things go. And I'm, I'm pretty disappointed that's not happening. But they had a great win against Parramatta who needed to bounce back from that flogging yeah. and played good. Um, I think that we're getting the Cowboys in a return to form. Um, Jason Taumalolo looked fantastic in that match. And when you actually look at their pack and that side, it's actually looking a hell of a lot better than it did for quite a while there. Um, and, you know, when you actually look at their lineup on the field, you can see up front, you've got Granville, who's now pressing his claims for to be the hooker for Queensland. I don't see it. I do. I absolutely see it. I don't see it. I'd absolutely, who else are you going to do if it's not Granville? Ben Hunt. Really? Yeah. I guess you could do Ben Hunt, but I'd, I'd go Granfield because he's an actual hooker and maybe have Hunt on the bench. you got Jordan McLean, who's a top-quality prop. you got Matt Scott, who might be getting on, but will do his job. you got Gavin Cooper, same, might be getting on, but knows his way around. Cohen Hest, Ivan Drago. He's been very disappointing this year. Yeah, but this will be the match. And then you got Tal Malolo, who is he the best forward in the game at the moment? Josh Papali is. I think he is too, but Tal Malolo's right <laughs> Everyone up Everyone else will it. tell you. <laughs> then you've got Mick Morgan at seven, who's just a magnificent player. I think we all know that. Then they're putting John Asiata yeah, at 5'8", who's a big unit to be playing 5'8", but gee, you've got to have two men on him because <laughs> yeah, he's, no, he's, he's a big unit. Um, you've got the upper chick from, who came up from Brisbane in the centres, who's actually been playing well. Then I got, still don't understand the NRL draw, though. Why are we playing the Cowboys again? Like, why do you play a team that you've already played I do again know. for a second time before you've played a whole bunch of other teams? I've questioned the NRL draw many times in analysis, and I've never got an answer out of the NRL. Yeah. So you know, because it's not. Know. There's but there's notable examples now where teams have, are already playing yeah, yeah, yeah. another team for a it second happened time. Last year too. Yeah. You know, and and we'll be doing Penrith. We'll be doing Gold Coast. We'll be doing Cowboys. There's a whole lot of sides that will be playing twice in the first like 12, 13, 14 rounds mm. and then other sides were only playing once but that's that's the way they do it. Justin O'Neill's at the other centre. Now he's he's good in attack but he's a bit dodgy in defence but he's he's back. Kyle Felt's a great finishing winger. You've and he got, does he does the, uh, the he's the best kickoff exponent getting around at the moment. Is that right? Yeah. You know the crazy high kickoffs? He's oh the, the God, sort I of... hate those. They always make me wet my pants. Yeah, well happen. expect it for you on Saturday. Oh goodness gracious me. I thought they'd gone with that West Tigers guy who was doing it. He was fantastic at them too when they spiral up in the air. Yeah, and well, the only other person, the only other person that can really do it like that is Kyle Felt. All right, look, I personally think if I had my way, we'd be kicking off like that every single time. Have the ball spiraling down as a bomb from a great height, and everyone descending yeah. on the poor person underneath it. That is the way to do a kickoff. Well, off. the thing is, and as I've seen, you know, once once the team gets the fear. Yeah. Once they drop one, oh, yeah. it's just like, oh, my it's hearts and mouth stuff. Oh, yeah, it? it's totally the fear. And I think what the coaches are worried about is when you do a normal kickoff, you're putting it into a certain area and you try and contain it from that area. It's careful. Whereas if you do one of those balls, yeah, that person could drop it. 
but it could also hit the ground and bounce to your advantage. That'd be great. But it could also hit the ground and bounce to your disadvantage, and yeah. all of a sudden you're in all sorts of. Speaking strife. of great spiral bombs, Jack White oh, yeah. did some good ones oh, against sure the did. rabbits. He sure did. And his it's funny because at the start of the year I was like, oh, why is Jack White kicking so much? Mm. And now it's at the stage of Sam Williams would do a kick, and I'd be like, no, oh, that was a bit of a bit of a sort of a, mm. a flaccid kick. Really? What was it? Flaccid. Yeah, that's a, that wasn't that very wasn't, insulting <laughs> word. That was that didn't have much on it, you know. No. And and now Jack Whiten's, you know, he's not booting him out on the full on a on a sort of semi regular basis. He seems to have no. sort of got his radar right. Yeah, it's no, he's got, but look, he's got the best kicking exponent in recent memory as his tutor in Ricky Stewart. No one could kick a ball like Ricky Stewart. Yeah, it's, I've, I've, Peter I've Sterling thought, said that. I've often thought that um, if the forty twenty rule was around when when Ricky was playing, imagine how many he would have got. Well, it was brought in because of Ricky. It was brought in the Super League because he was actually exponent. He was the one who pressed for it. He was saying for a long time that forty twenty was All what right. should come in. So he's actually the father of the whole concept, and it's because of that kick. And I think forty twenty is a fantastic. And those who can be exponents of it, well, I think it's a great part of the game. Um, but when you actually dig down onto the, the Cowboys bench, you've got Baptiste on the bench, the, the garden name. Then you've got young Dunn, who's on there, Mitchell Dunn, who's played eight games so far, 90, 99 kilometer, uh, kilograms, 190 centimetres. So, you know, he's all right in that regard. Big unit, but untested. Then you've got Bolton, who's, you know, 907 years old and played 261 games, but, you know, is at the back And of has trouble career. keeping his hands to himself. Well, apparently, he's been found guilty of that or yes, acknowledged it. Yes, okay, then yes. we can say that then. We can't. And then Francis Molo, who you know does add some spark, uh, with 112 kilos at 183. So that's one big unit right there for the 20 uh, for the 24 year old. Who's Francis Molo? Yeah, yeah. That's All right, it. he was. Yeah, he's he's one of those those big. He was at the Broncos, wasn't he? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. And look, and so we've got Dynamis Louis, who's playing great. Really great effort. Yeah. We've got Papali, who is, I believe, the best front rower in the game at the present moment. Josh Hodgson, who I really thought should have come off for a head knock inspection after his head clash with Liam Knight. Um, I was very surprised he stayed on. He was he got straight to his feet and his eyes were rolling around his head. Um, Whitehead, who once more was immense, wasn't man of the match in that one for mine. It was Papali, but you know not far behind him. Hudson Young. And Corey Horsburgh, I'll get to in, yeah. in, later in the thing. Ryan Sutton works his guts out in that yeah. match. Once more was fantastic. Sam Williams, yes, he missed Cody Walker to come through, but he played a really good match. The whole match, he was very good. Jack White, once more, was outstanding. Nick Kotrick, right centre. Very good. Once he got into it, he was great. Yeah, no, he was... He was, and he set up the try, and before that, there were a couple of times where he almost, you thought, it's coming. It's coming. He's going to poke his nose through. Yeah, and he, and he did. And the thing was, Whitehead knew it, and Whitehead was right there yeah. ready for it. But Sammy Williams, being Johnny on the spot, showed great pace to score He did. Yeah, I was surprised how quick he was. Yeah. He, he was quick, but he, he knew what was coming, and he finished that brilliantly. Yeah, so, that, yeah was Kotrick, good, that was a great try. Kotrick made the break. Whitehead capitalized on it brilliantly, but Sammy was right there to do it. It was a great try. It was a great moment. Lost my voice yelling as well as yelling, um, and I'll get to that in a second, at something else in the game. Uh, Oldfield and Simerson doing well. Simerson, I was, Simerson, yeah, was really good, I thought. Yeah, no, he's good. He's a good player. And we got Havili on the pine, along with Soliola and Horsberg, who we'll get to later. And welcome back, Joe Tarpano. Yes, you were right. He was coming back. Go on, hit me with it. No, no, it was actually esteemed listener Matt, who is a co-host of the, um, the Greenhouse Live and the Green Machine podcast. Ah, who pointed yeah, that he out? Yeah, point, he pointed it out. And I said, look, 
I tried to mention to the pork that maybe he would be back sooner, but you shut me down. I did. I shut him down. <laughs> I just, uh, he was right. I was wrong. Um, he was back. I did see him in the tunnel and thought, you're walking around quite well for a person who's meant to be out for an extended period with an ankle injury. Um, at a pinch, I reckon he could have played as well in that match. But, um, yeah, I, look, it's a big match. Do you think up. he'll play on the bench, though, or do you think he'll come in for... Or they think Hudson Young's doing no, a good I job? No, I think they'll run him off the bench. Yeah. They're not going to bring a person who's out that for long. You know, if he comes on, it'll be after 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and, and he'll come in from that point. And, you know, will it be Hudson Young who goes off? I, I suggest you're right that it would be. But no, it might probably, be, it might be not. Louis that goes off. Yeah. They'll and, probably just play him in the middle. He's played in the middle before. As we started out off the off the bench. Yeah. Playing. The big, playing in the middle. Big boppers he's up against. He's not small. No, he's not small, but he doesn't quite have the bulk of a Tal Malolo or a Francis Molo. You yeah. Know, he's I think not he'll play quite in the that big. But yeah. So look. It's a hard match. They've got to win it. Like this is one of those matches. Well, the next they three games it. are season-defining. Yeah, they because are. they're all very winnable games. Yeah, and if we're going to be stay in the top four, so they're all contender. losable games too. Like, oh, every game is losable for the but, Raiders. But I never go any game confident the Raiders are going to win. All of these games, though, it's not just you know, we could lose them because we could drop our bundle. All of these games on paper, when you actually look at them, yeah, we should win. We should beat the Bulldogs away next weekend up in Sydney at ANZ Stadium. And we should beat the West Tigers on paper the next week at Parramatta Stadium, whatever the hell it's called now, Bank West on the Friday night, which is actually a televised match. Oh, my God. That's the Tigers, is it? Yeah, that's the Tigers match. We should win both of those two matches. But both of those sides have been playing some really, really, really good football. And, you know, they've taken... um, They've gone and beaten the Broncos, the West Tigers up in, in Brisbane. They've taken it right to the Melbourne Storm and really only denied, unluckily, I thought, in that match. They are capable of beating anyone on their day. They're, they're playing really, really good football. Um, when it comes down to Canterbury-Bankstown, they, they've taken it right up to a few sides and they've won matches. I thought they were the clear wooden spoon, as I've said it a few times. No, but... it's still like, you know, they just beat the Titans. I mean, that's... Yeah, but they did the... beat the Titans and below them are the Gold Coast Titans and Penrith and Canterbury, as always, fighting spirit, they're right there. So those that cannot be taken into account. And then once those matches are over, once you've gone through playing North Queensland Cowboys, playing Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs and the West Tigers... Then you come home to play the Sharks on the Thursday night, and that's about as much fun as having an enema, you know, playing the Sharks. We hate them. They hate us. They always give us a hard time. They always play well at our home ground. So, you know, if we're coming home needing desperately a win at that stage, gee, I'm not going to enjoy that. Before then, we head up to to Darwin to play the Eels, and who knows what form they're going to be in by that stage. You know, who knows what form they're going to be in that stage. But, you know, having spoken about that, there's a, there's a few things that have uh, got up people's noses this week. And I believe something's got up my esteemed colleague here. So it's time for this week's ep- segment of Blake on the Burst. And Blake on the Burst is a section where my esteemed colleague talks to you about a few things that may have annoyed him. Blake? Speaking of things that um, annoy people, one of our, I was talking to my listeners at the game and they said they don't like that bit where you yell on the microphone. But anyway... They don't like when I yell, <laughs> Blake on the burst! <laughs> no, and they also don't like when you refer to the interwebs. Apparently that's a dead joke, so... Is it? Yeah. I don't know, what else am I meant to refer? An internet, will I call it the internet? Okay. Well, you are a dad, on, on multiple, multiple occasions. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 I am a dad. <laughs> so you, you, and and you, some of them you, even admit to it. You've had, you've had a lot of practice at um, perfecting your dad jokes. I have, and, and you know, it's taken us all the way to being the third most popular uh, pod, Raiders podcast on the internet... Um, that's out there. Okay, so Blake on the burst this week. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. I don't know if this is going to overlap with what grinds your gears, but um, it may well. 
Willie Mason coming out and saying that the uh, young Raiders players need to show some more respect to Sam Burgess. You know, he didn't he didn't like the fact that Corey Hosborough and Hudson Young sort of stood up to him and had a bit of push and shove with Sam Burgess, and they should show him more respect. Mm. What what did you, what did you think about that? <sighs> well, look, it's very much like when people go and ask Anthony Mundini's opinion on politics or yeah. ask Arthur Tunstall anything. <laughs> the only reason people are ever asking Willie Mason's opinion is because then he can rattle pieces cages and people can get upset about it. So I make a habit of not listening to anything that Willie Mason says. because no, he's got he zero is, credibility. He's a rank idiot. Having said that, occasionally he's quite amusing. So for, for that for that sake, um, and, and look, the, the obvious answer for that is if Sam Burgess wants respect, well, he has to earn it. Well, exactly. And what are you supposed? What are you supposed to do? Just go, go uh, oh, take it lying down? Yeah, tug your forelock and say, "Oh, you just run through here, big Sam." Yeah. I'm, I'm just a kid coming through. What am Speaking I? Speaking of Sam Burgess, I used to really like him, but after um, the game on Friday night, I think I think for a while I've been going off him, and just after Friday, he's he's really he's as he's getting older, I think he's getting a bit sort of meaner and it's sort of mean in a sort of a nasty sort of cynical way, and he also seems to be complaining. Carrying on and complaining a lot. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't like him anymore. We are crossing over into another yeah. segment here. So yeah. what else for Blake on the burst? <laughs> the other thing I was going to mention about something that's sort of annoyed me increasingly in recent times is, um, and it's largely as a result of the whole played out um, contract saga with um, with Clint Gutherson. Just the influence of of these sort of player manager types and the way they use um, their mates in the media to really push their agendas. The whole thing about Clint Gutherson and Parramatta are idiots. They're trying to rip him off. They're trying to underpay him, etc., etc., etc. Is all driven through his manager, who then uses you know all these news limited journalists, whether it's um, Paul Kent or um, Buzz, Rothfield. Buzz Rothfield or Paul Crawley, Crawley, whatever his name is. But who, speaking of Paul Crawley, I used to quite like him and, and found him quite interesting on those shows because his brother was the assistant Raiders coach. Indeed so he, he always had a bit of insight into the Canberra Raiders and um, his comments would be quite interesting for that reason because he actually would write about them and he would talk about them. And obviously, again, like Paul Kent and Ricky and Sam, all these people are great mates. Yeah, yeah. But um, with Paul Coley, something... Did you see the recent Twitter stuff that happened with him over the last couple of weeks? I did not inform there was me. There was a Twitter account called... Fran E I zero seven blood numbers numbers numbers, which started responding to various tweets on 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 Twitter that were critical of of Paul of Paul Crawley and some of his performances on um, on NRL three sixty and saying like oh what would you know Paul's a great guy you know he knows what he's talking about um, you've never laced on a boot or you know what I mean and. And it was all that sort of stuff. There was people found there was a whole series of these tweets. Then something occurred to people: this is actually Paul Corley himself. It was. Did anyone prove that? No. Well, then they, they started. They, they called that all of a sudden. This account got deleted. It was never seen again. But it just just suddenly emerged. Only thing it tweeted about was Paul Corley related matters. Oh, and look. then it and then it disappeared. So it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna go on there and then then immediately delete it. It's it's very it's very funny. There are forces at play in this game that we don't even know about, that we have no idea who they are or what they do or who is actually controlling the game. And so that is actually a, uh, a great throw into actually a few things that have pissed me off in, in the last couple of weeks. And in fact, Blake, they've ground my gears. You know what really grinds my gears? And this week, things that have grinded my gears uh, come along these lines, right? So we will have noticed on Saturday night 
that, amongst other things, that in a 17-minute period, the Rabbitohs gave away eight straight penalties, of which five were given away by their captain, Sam Burgess himself. And Sam Burgess did not get sin bin for that, in spite of the fact that he really should have been because he was deliberately doing it to slow the play the ball down to get his line reset. And because his side was on the back foot, the Raiders were in the ascendancy, he knew he had to stop them, and stop them he did by any means necessary. We got a couple of penalty goals out yeah. of it, but they didn't concede tries. And they should have conceded tries in most of those because they were out on their feet at that stage. Having really opened the game very well, the Rabbitohs, they probably blew a little bit hard. And the Raiders were a bit smaller and were a little bit fitter and were coming at them. And Burgess saw it and really, really was hanging on. But he was, well, he went rogue. He went rogue at that stage. It was right that, you know, you were saying that um, that he can get rattled. And, and yeah. clearly he was... It wasn't just that. He was literally going rogue and he was trying to slow the play that ball down. And more to the point where you were saying you were annoyed that he was getting talking to the ref and going off. He was using that and the ref should have waved him yeah, away. To he waste was, time. He was using that to wave, waste time and get more time. And he did it. And as a result, they didn't concede a try. And in a match where the game was won by less than a converted try, that was pivotal in the win. And you saw people getting angry, myself included, at Ben Cummins and Chris Butler for not sending him to the bin, as they obviously should have. Of there course. There is no question that oh, he compare, should have been sent to the bin. You compare it to um, Chance getting sent to the bin yeah. against the Panthers or yeah. any other example. Second penalty yeah. that was no given warning. away in that period. It was the first one he'd done. No warning, off you go. But Burgess got a warning um, and, and he didn't go. And and this is the, the sad truth. This is the sad truth about this. And this is what grinds my gears, people. And I've written an article about this in, in the raw.com.au um, if, if you want to see the full logic. It's not Ben Cummins and Chris Butler's fault. It's not their fault. They desperately have got to the top of their profession. They've got to the top of their profession and they know if they want to get those state of origin gigs and both of them have a play for it, especially Chris Butler getting a flag, they don't want to be involved in sending players to the bin because Graham Annesley's come out at the beginning of the season and said, we're going to blow less penalties up there have only been nine sin binnings to the end of this round 10 so far across the whole entire nrl so far this season on the back of that edict uh last season by this stage there have been 35 that number of nine had been achieved halfway through round three in 2018 halfway through the penalty counts were higher to start with, but then plummeted quickly as people realised that the sin binnings were going to cost them. This season, Annesley came out at the beginning of the season so there was going to be less penalties. And yeah, there has, but there's only been an average of three less penalties a game than there was in last season. What has dropped off is the sin binnings. The players know and have worked out over the opening rounds of the season that the sin bins have dried up. It's not just the penalties aren't being awarded, but the sin bins aren't being awarded. Burgess knew full well he wasn't going to get sin-binned. And if he was going to get sin-binned, he was going to get a warning first. And he went completely rogue to stop and blunt the Raiders, knowing he wouldn't. But it wasn't Cummins or Butler's fault. If they sin-bin and they get criticised, well, they're not going to get an origin position. And that's what they want. That's the top of their area. But I think, the I think played. that it's also the players involved. You know, I yeah. think it's much easier to sin-bin a... Um, you know, Sean Fensom or oh, yeah. Luke Bateman or whoever, whoever, whoever it is in the Sam and that, But that's exactly why, because you're dealing with this big man in the game. And if you're going to deal with him in this way, well, you're going to do that at Origin as well, because we don't want that done at Origin. Because the next step is, it's not Annesley's fault for staying not to do it. What Annesley's seen is last year, Tony Archer went around trying to do this rules crackdown, which we all sponsored. And they raised the white flag, they gave in. Now, why did Greenberg and Archer and Beatty raise the white flag? Someone told them to raise the white flag. It wasn't because it wasn't working. 
there was pressure on them from someone to stop doing it. Now, who would that be? What would be the one thing that the broadcasters, people the broadcasters, it seems fairly logical, the broadcasters thought it affected the flow of the game. For my mind, it doesn't. It means we get this turgid game of rugby league where people do things like head grapples, chicken wings, and constant wrestling in the ruck in order to slow it down and get defensive advantage. So it doesn't help the flow of the game. It makes for a shit game, but it's seen as the flow of the game. Um, but the thing is, once you get, and this is the scariest thing about this, once you get to the point that the referees aren't enforcing the rules as the, the primary thing that they're there to do, but are basically being game managers on behalf of the pressure that's coming out of the broadcasters, it's not a great big step till they start managing the game for the best ratings, whatever that might mean. You know, so for example, you have one side that's incredibly well supported against a side that isn't well supported. Well, we want that side to be playing next week in the finals. We don't want that side to be playing because they're not going to get as much advertising dollars. So all of a sudden, well, that side gets penalised and that side doesn't. That side gets players sent to the sin bin, that side doesn't. It's not a big leap to go there. I'm not saying it's happening now, but it's not a big leap to go there. And all of a sudden, the NRL stops being the NRL and starts being the WWE with yeah. contrived sort of things and people just talking shit before it. But we all know what's going to happen. So the question is, who's actually in charge of the game? Because it's not the referees. It's not Annesley and it's not Greenberg. So we can complain all we want that Sam Burgess should have been sin-binned. But even when Annesley came out, he actually tried to say it as an emerging trend. What a lot of hot steaming bollocks. And it grinds my gears, Blake. It grinds my gears. So, but there are reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. Part three. One, there are many reasons to be cheerful. Uh, first reason to be cheerful is Jay Tarpanay. Yes. Good, good, good to have some troops coming back. Isn't it? Yeah. And, and Joey is a great player. We were doing all right without him, but we need him back now. Isn't it great to see him coming back? Um, he, he adds some dynamism, some great defense. Um, he won't let anyone down. You know, he has a tendency to give away a, a penalty or two, but... Um, He's a good hard player, and I really like seeing him back. Another reason to be cheerful is it appears that John Bateman's going to be back for the West Tigers game, which would just be absolutely fantastic yeah. if true. He's another one you just you just kind of think you expect he's going to come back a bit, don't you? But if he comes back, the whole whole scenario changes. The whole scenario changes when he comes back. It it, it it's it, it's like having you know your bannerman yeah. all of a sudden return to the field, and and he really is there. And plus, if you don't follow. John Bateman already on Twitter, do it because he's freaking hilarious. <laughs> he's funny. He is he's so funny. funny. And he's, he's a long-time listener of the show, so <laughs> salutations to you, John. Um, just absolutely fantastic. But the biggest reason to be cheerful I have this week, like the biggest reason, comes in two. There's, there's two of them, and I am incredibly heartened by them. Corey Horsburgh and Hudson Young going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Big Sam Burgess and not giving an inch and throwing their bodies into that line. Boys, welcome I was so freaking impressed with both of you, your courage, your application to the job, and that not only didn't take a backward step, but you rattled him. You rattled him, and you were great. And then you went on with the job and actually made impact. You weren't just holding him. You then went on and made impact. I've been impressed with what I've seen so far, but I've not been as impressed as I was after Saturday night. Kudos to you. You yeah, red-headed, was, was mad bastard. And it was kudos coming to out. you, Hutto. It was, was coming out for those guys. I thought, really, yeah, big crowd, big occasion, and they really, you know, they stood tall. They ripped in, and you know what? That's just an absolute reason to be cheerful. 
Anyway, I think we've pretty much covered yeah. everything. So we'll bring the end of uh, another episode of uh, Blake and the Pork, the third most popular Raiders podcast on the internet. Uh, so given the dubious support of the Greenhouse, the number one Raiders fan forum on the web, get on there and get arguing. They love it. It's fantastic. Um, I am the Pork. I'm Blake. And we will talk to you soon.